and welcome back to another episode of the Fan of the Flames Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Reynolds, and we got Kyle Griesinger back. Let's go. He's back. Kyle, how's it going, brother? Good to be back. Going pretty good. Flames are 3-0, so I'm, I couldn't be doing much better. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. James, my brother, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. As 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 you're going to hear later in the other part of this, man, it's good. As Kyle just said, we're 3-0, and and uh, Rustberg's 4-0 with a uh, tough test coming up this Friday. Yeah, and I will be at that game, um, and I won't be at the Florida International University game. I wish. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a really fun trip. Um, but that is who we are playing this week at 6.30, kickoff, a national televised game. I said CBS Sports Network, but I think I'm wrong. I think it's going to be on ESPN, right? I think I said that wrong. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, I did. I said in the second. Yeah, I was wrong. It's ESPN Plus. I'm a goofball. I'm a suit. And Jake didn't even correct me on it. But that is Jake Gibson, who is going to be later on in this podcast. He's from the Pause Up podcast. Um, He covers FIU team. We were really happy to have him on. Um, but um, I believe this game is probably going to be on ESPN Plus if I had to guess. Yeah, uh, I just with looked ESPN at this. Platform. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, anyhow, uh, this past Saturday, though, playing my hometown team, the UB Bulls, the University at Buffalo Bulls, shout out to Boomer Brock for joining the podcast last week. I need to actually give him a text and tell him uh, uh, how he's doing uh, because I've was moving this week, so I didn't get to really talk to him too much. I know he was at the game. I can't imagine it was very fun for him, and I didn't want to be that guy because he seemed like a pretty nice dude. If he came on uh, swinging, maybe I would have swung back a little bit. But uh, you guys will enjoy uh, Jake Gibson giving us a nice preview of the FIU team and uh, kind of a little bit of the background. But uh, before we get into it, let's talk about this 55 to what, 27, was it? Win yeah. over the UB Bulls. Kyle, since you haven't been out of the podcast for the past two out of the three weeks, I'm going to start off with you because I miss you, and I just want to hear your opinion as always. Favorites. I mean, I think, I think you know, we have seen what this offense is capable of, um, and it it's capable of an awful lot, let me tell you. Um and, and you know, I, I think I think the defense has gotten a little bit of, a little bit of shade after this game, but. You know, here's the deal. Offense was scoring like three play, three drive plays, or three play exactly. drives. Like we let we, we gave Buffalo. They had 81 offensive plays, 81 offensive p- plays. They threw the ball 51 times. Like that's an insane number. And so, like, I'm not that way. You throw you throw the ball 51 times. You rush the ball 30 times. You're gonna give up points just the way that it goes. But I think what the team has done, what the team did this week was open up the offense, see what it can do, pull out all the stops, put on the jet burner, and 55 points later, fun fact, the over in this game was 54. We cashed the over without any help from Buffalo. <laughs> but I think, I think you know, throw out the defensive performance a little bit. But even still, there's some real highlights in the defensive performance from this last week. Uh, our defense held them to less than three yards per carry. And that is like the part of the defense that we were the most worried about coming out of week one and two held them to three yards per carry. I think that's phenomenal. 
really like the only hole we had was kind of there late in the game in the in the secondary. You know, we, we ended up by the end of the game giving up about nine and a half yards per uh, per completion. But five point four. I mean, what was it? Five point four. Five point four. Like yards per pass. Yard, yards per attempt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but so I mean, these are these are great numbers. This is really this is really like the final score, like giving up twenty seven points. That's entirely down to just a numbers game. Like you give any offense that many opportunities, they're gonna score. But we're not gonna we're not gonna be that kind of quick strike offense every game. Um, I think I think they kind of they figured out we could do it. Showed you know let Caden prove to himself that he can lead those kind of drives. Um, and I think we'll see more. This week of what we saw last week against New Mexico State, um, with maybe some more of those seven, eight, nine-minute drives in the second half to really milk the clock. So, all in all, I mean, it's hard not to be excited when you hang a fifty burger. Um, but I'm I'm real excited. Heck yeah! Before we get to James, though, we will have Jeremiah's input after we get to James because. Uh, it just uh, we had some miscommunication, and that's some of my fault. So I apologize, Jeremiah. We love you. We miss you. Um, we don't miss the connect connection issues, but we do miss you, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah. Uh, we'll talk about uh, his thoughts here in a second. But before we do that, James, what do you got to say about this past week's game? Yeah, no, um, I can't say enough good things about this offense. Just like how. Um, when we pass for 344 yards on 16 completions, uh, two guys over 100 yards receiving, um, five touchdowns to the air, uh, two more on the ground. Man, you, you can't ask for more than that. Um, and defensively, I'm, it's just what Kyle said. Like, when, uh, like, I feel like our defense is a lot of a bend don't break this year. It's a, it, it sound, it, 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 we feel a lot better, like we play a lot better when we're in the uh, when we're in the like the back half. Like we had two picks on like inside our own thirty, um, and almost a third one. So I, I'm not that mad at our defense because we we don't allow those big plays. Like, I haven't seen that all year. We, we allow some big runs, but they're not touchdown scoring plays. Um, even the big passes weren't touchdown scoring plays this this past weekend. So I, I, I don't really have any complaints about the defense because they locked down and did their thing when it mattered. Um, so, and I think those points that were let up, like the touchdowns were really just our, our defense was tired. As Kyle said, our offense kept scoring in two and three plays that's no time to rest for the defense. So I'm, I'm not going to be mad about a few points let up when they're dead tired after three straight uh, three-drive plays by the offense. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, I I mean, uh, I don't know, man. It was just incredible, including Caden's phenomenal pass to cj daniels he was wide open oh my gosh and yes. you know after talking with boomer you know i know they had marcus forqua um who's a great safety he's probably going to play in the nfl next year um it's a uh, yeah a young secondary indeed for uh buffalo because between sibley 
and Daniels and Smoot, which Smoot finally broke out. That's Praise. something that we have been trying to say on this podcast. Both Kyle and Avery were both two guys that were all out about him. Um, I believe Avery called him baby OBJ, which is crazy. But my goodness, okay. he looked he looked like him. And, you know, 344 yards between those three. Almost oh, just one yard off from having three receivers over 100 yards. That is insane. And the defense... Tyander P should have had three interceptions. Let's be real. He dropped that last one, and that was a phenomenal play. I don't. I haven't really heard too much. I haven't been able to see with the. I don't know how he's doing. I know he got hurt. I'm hoping he's all right. I know. I don't think he finished the game, but um, I know Chike, Nwankwo, and both uh, him and Akil were able to come in and replace him. Um, but Tyron, we really would love to have him, of course, for this game. Um, he's been such a factor on this team. And, um, you know, uh, one of the funny things is I want to state this out from Jeremiah. He says that the camera work was terrible, um, which I was, of course you would say something like that. Uh, he loves the, he loves, uh, finding the little things of a broadcast. <laughs> um, it's always a fun, fun time. He said, uh, yeah, he, uh, I've seen worse. Yeah, I agree. Sure. There's a uh, way worse. Yeah. For sure. Uh, K-Salt legacy game, you know, he was saying he's reiterating reiterating the potential for the best quarterback for LU, um, I'm guessing, in history. Smoot making an impact. Tyron Dupree, Jolly Reese and Singleton making plays. Daniel Sibley and Smoot. Um, well, we went over that. Uh, one of them <laughs> missed it by a yard. He said an over 100-yard game. Cole Snyder had a good game despite adversity from our defense. Um, tweet from a UB fan. What's wrong with our program? It's Liberty. Oh, that's an interesting one. I didn't see that because I I wasn't really on Twitter as much as you thought I was. I was more on to speak with you guys. And then uh, season high on penalties for LU. Yeah. And then called a back and forth game so much. A lot of tweets questioning why I called a closer game. Um, I I didn't really. I don't know where he's. I. I I don't know. I don't, and then TJ Bush first sack. That, that's his overview. A lot of good notes he had, but I just kind of wanted to quickly go through them uh, <laughs> because uh, we still love the rep, the man, Jeremiah. Um, yeah, I to like talk about that tweet with a UB fan. Here's the thing, you know. I shout out to Boomer again. Great dude. You know, it's cool because we have a cool, a close family. A friend of mine went to college with him. Um, they were buddies. Um, they obviously also went with Khalil Mack together, if you guys listen to the podcast. And, you know, for the most part, I like UB fans. Um, but for a UB fan to say it's Liberty after the success we've had um, and the fact that they have done nothing much for the past few years is something. Um, so I don't know who that was. I wish Jeremiah would have called out the handle directly because then I would go find him and then, of course, pester him. But anyways, before we go, um, keep talking about uh, Buffalo. W- what else do we have for takeaways from games? Let's start with you, James, this time. I guess, uh, you know, who's your who's your players of the game, offense and defense? Yeah, um, defensive, it's got to be Dupree. Um, I've been calling it, people. 
I've been calling it. <laughs> yeah, but now, like, we, we pointed out Jolly and Dupree. Um, I'm going Dupree because they had the same amount of tackles, which is awesome. But Dupree also had the two picks. Um, so Dupree was – he just had one heck of a game, being in the right place at the right time, making the plays that were needed. Um, and then offensively, um, I'm going to let one of y'all have the other guy. But uh, I'm going to take uh, CJ, man. It's just – it's good to see him do this week in and week out. I'm a huge CJ fan, and uh, I got to go with him because he had four receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown, and it's just good to see him be consistent again. Man, just just to think, uh, it's so weird because like I've had to watch the past two games from um, here, which was cool in the new place, and then at the old place I was sick. It's just weird to think that I missed out on that game, and I'm like, I sometimes forget how good of a game he had against New Mexico State because I wasn't there. Um, so it's just so heartbreaking. It's like, oh yeah, that was at home, uh, but we'll get. Thankfully, we have seven games this year, so I'll still get to see the average six that we're supposed to get every year. Anyways, <laughs> with that all aside, I'm. I'm so excited, man, for this week. And, you know, Kyle, uh, what do you got for your plays, players of the game this past week? I mean, it's got to be Caden Salter. It has to be. Like <laughs> oh, James, James, mine. James was quite the gentleman in passing it up and leaving it for me. But it has to be Caden Salter. Uh, 16 completions, 344 yards, five touchdowns. He averaged 11. Uh, he averaged 13.2 yards per attempt. Um, Same. And, and what is that, 21.5 yards per completion? Um, and all while adding adding 66 yards on the ground and another touchdown. So accounted for six touchdowns in the game. Um, I mean, we all knew, we all knew like this was, this was possible. Like this was what Caden was capable of. It was always the question of could he do it and can he be consistent? So we've got the answer to the first one. He played lights out, man. He took care of the ball. Um, he was he he took care of himself. He wasn't taking a lot of shots like he did in that first game uh, against Bowling Green. Um, and he was a playmaker. He was absolutely electric. Like, you know, I, we, we we talked about this a lot last season. We were kind of on the quarterback carousel, and it's like when when Caden is in the game, man, I feel like anything's possible. Anything's possible. And, and and you just you love to see it from the guy. You love to see him getting a lot of receivers involved too. I mean, um, Smoot had four receptions, Daniels had four, Sibley had three, Frith had three, um, and then Cooley and Henderson both had one. Um, all of them, all of them were great. The worst, the worst guy on the stat line was Henderson and Cooley, who who averaged, you know, their their one reception went for four and three yards, respectively. Everybody else was north of eight. Three of those guys were averaging more than 24 yards per reception. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Henderson scored a touchdown, right? Yeah. So, yep, he did. You know, three yard so, touchdown. Look at this. It's almost like uh, the tight ends didn't exist these past few years, but now all of a sudden they just uh, appeared like a wild Pokemon. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> Demario, who? Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm just kidding, of course. But like, <laughs> yeah. this wide receiver room is much better than we thought it was going to be. Oh, um, yeah. And it's yeah. not just one guy. It's everybody's getting in on the action. Um, and then yeah. I want to take just two seconds to shout out a guy that I really thought was going to be good last year, didn't do a whole lot. And that's Preston Hodge. Um, he has been, he's oh. not the most flashy of our DBs, but he is good. And he is a good uh, he is a good coverage guy. He had a lot of great plays this past week, including an incredible pass breakup. 
Um, So really good to see him kind of coming into his own um, a year after coming to Liberty in the transfer portal. Uh, Navarro, Navarro Community College, right, right down the street from my hometown in, in, in uh, south of Dallas. So um, great to see. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the cool thing is uh, I, I'm i just so excited about this team. You mentioned so many players uh, that have really broke out or done great. And you're right. We've I want to get into talking about Salter here in a second just because I want to have that apart a separate part of this pod before we get into the FIU game. But since you guys are taking the players of the game, I'm going to let you guys take players of the game. So this is going to be a new thing. And then I'm going to step back as me because all the players are going to be taken. And I want to put out some dark horses. And one of those dark horses wasn't really a dark horse this week. And it was Trayon Sibley. He, man, he has been, wow. Wow. He has really broken out this year. He was always that fourth, fifth, sixth guy these past couple years and kind of in the middle. And, you know, I know Frith didn't really have the best game because Smoot and Daniels, of course, Daniels was Daniels. He's he's wide receiver one. Let's be real. I know Sibley, they're saying Sibley's. But then we saw Daniels that I think it was might have been Kyle. You said wide receiver one was Sibley or someone said that. And, and then literally like, Ten minutes later, uh, uh, Daniels then had a freaking bomb that he just took all the way for a touchdown. Um, but um, here's the thing. that It doesn't really matter who's wide receiver one at the end of the day because guess what? We got some playmakers on this offense in the wide receiver room. And here's the crazy thing. Our running back room was very different this week compared to last week. Very different game playing. Not to say that they didn't. I know we had the injury of Vaughn Blue, which is very sad. I hope that he recovers quickly. I know it's an upper upper body shoulder injury. Um, hopefully he comes back. Um, but, um, you know, I also think uh, if he has the red shirt this year, we'll be fine and we'll continue on uh, with Venn and Jointer. I know Jointer had a big run. Unfortunately, I had to miss that because I had to go. Um, and thankfully we were up by so much that I didn't have to miss anything that was uh, changing or deciding the game. But, um, you know, wanted to get into uh, Sibley. Uh, Sibley has been uh, very, very, very uh, good this year. And I'm just so happy with them as a dark horse, him as a dark horse this past year, of how much he stepped up. And then on the defensive side, if I had to pick someone who's really stepped up in his position, it has been Quentin Reese, man. Quentin Reese has really came on as a leader of this defense. He's not going to show up on the stat sheet every day. He's not going to always get the interceptions and do the things. I mean, he he might, but it's not going to be every week where you're like, oh, wow, he has 10-plus tackles. But – that's a good thing because you got guys in front of them. You don't want your safeties making all the tackles. So, you know, very excited about him and his future. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's awesome. I'm excited about this team. And I want to shout out to Nick Brown uh, stepping up into the starting kicker role and uh, really taking away. Uh, I'm excited for him as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So – yeah, this is exciting. Let's talk a little about about Caden. Um, Kyle had the dip, so you know James and I we're gonna we're gonna take the rest of the podcast 
a little bit odd with our recording day today. So, but uh, that's okay. You know, people got to go to do things, but um, and we'll still have Kyle's commentary in here and there because he'll be giving us some commentary. Um, Kyle, let's talk about Caden Salter, man. It's it's just been fantastic. I, I'm excited to uh, to uh, see what he does this week. Oh yeah, no. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, the last time we had a QB have a performance like that was Malik in his in his breakout game, obviously in 2020. Um, and I think if I, I truly think that this is going to be one of those special years, I think Caden's going to go flat off the rest of the season because I think he's. He, he's so much more confident than he was last year because he knows he has nobody at his tails. Like there's nobody like on his coattails ready to take his job. So he's playing more relaxed and he's playing like we, like we knew he could, but we just hadn't seen yet. Um, so I, I truly think that this was his coming out game. Um, this is Caden saying, Hey, I'm here. Like I am legit. And now it's time to go. So, um, I love that. I love that we have him. I love that we have um I love that we have finally as as we said like no more QB carousel because man that just frees our offense up because it's not like oh we have to switch to this guy now what what plays are installed for him. It's like no like we have this guy let's run our offense. Yep. There's nobody else coming. It's our offense with this guy. So I, I think that's a huge thing and I think Caden's going to thrive the rest of this year because now he's really in that role he solidified that and there's nobody on his coattails yeah i agree and um you know i'm i'm someone yeah shout out to avery again uh he uh he's like you're gonna need to put out a public apology with caden um because i had predicted way back before spring ball started that trey low would be the the starting quarterback and here's the thing you know, that was a long time ago. This was before <laughs> we even had the battle in the fall. So, you know, and, you know, Trey Lowe, it's, it's crazy that we have him as a backup quarterback. And <laughs> JB and Nate Hampton and a rising, very promising Reese Mooney. So we got a very solid quarterback room. But the fact that Caden's taking off and then you got a guy like JB behind him, man, you, of course, don't want anything to happen. You want Caden to keep thriving in every way of the fact. And you don't want JB in because of, you want Caden to continue to do what he's doing. But it's like, man, this is a great quarterback room. This is this might this this is probably the best quarterback room we could see in the transfer portal area. This is this is insane. You got a veteran in low who's leading this. You got another veteran in JB who's won some games for us. He's very consistent. He's a good support system. Um, he, and then you got Nate, who's a young guy who's got Uber of talent. We don't know where he's going to go from here. Uh, he, he definitely can play at another program. I know that for sure. And then, you know, you got a Reese Mooney, who's going to be the future along with, you know, next year, you're going to have a Bradford coming in. So this is, this is insane. I'm so, so proud of Caden. Um, we all knew that we, he had it in him. I'm glad he stuck it out. He stayed in, in the system, and here's the thing. I just had that feeling he was going to thrive in a system like this. This is just a system that is built for Caden, 
And I tried to tell people this, but this is a different system than freeze. It is. And you're seeing it this year. And we saw this offense open up. And here's the thing. They haven't played their best game yet. Chadwell said himself, I, I don't think they have. I still think, I mean, here's here's the thing. As good as Salter played, he still missed some throws. He still he made did. some little decisions here and there. So he hasn't even played his best game. That's where we get excited. So, And he has the potential to play his best game. And it could be this week against FIU. FIU, Liberty. Some people are calling it a trap game. Jake gave us a nice little preview. You know, what are our first thoughts about this? Me, I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect, but I think we're going to pull away at the end. They have a lot of weapons on this offense that are Miami, Florida bred kids, and we know how much talent is coming out of Florida. What's your first thoughts, James? Yeah, no. Um, Kyle, before he left, said he he wanted to make one point. Um FIU is letting up the second most yards per game in Conference USA. Um, and yep. um, the only team that's allowing more is Western Western Kentucky, and they just got blown out by Ohio State. So their numbers are flawed because they played a crazy good team. Um, so I, defensively, I don't I don't think they I, I don't think they can stop our offense if we play our game. Um and then defensively on our side of the ball, I, they're not as great as run, at running the ball um, as even New Mexico State was. Um, and we know what our secondary can do. Like that's why we lead the nation in picks. We lead the nation in takeaways because our secondary goes against the ball. Um, I think it. I, I do think it be it could be a trap game just because we could be overlooking them, trying to get to that bye week. But I don't think it's going to be a trap game. Um, I, I think the guys under Coach Chadwell are locked in, and I don't think he's going to allow them to overlook this. I think I think they're going to show up prepared. And while I do think FIU is going to score some offense because their freshman quarterback, uh, Keon Jen- Jenkins, um, he's the real deal. He is very, very good. Um, I, I just don't think he himself can do it, can do enough. Because I think our D line is going to be able to stop this running game. They have a they have a decent running back in a Shamari. Um, I can't remember his last name, but it's his first name is Shamari. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna have some runs. Obviously, we let up a few big runs here and there, but like overall, I, I think that our offense is going to be too much, and they're going to get worn down. Yeah. Um... I agree, and uh, you know that's the thing is this uh, this team. We mentioned the trap game. We've had to travel all the way up north to Buffalo, and now we've had to travel all the way south to FIU. We've had to play the most northern UB team that in the FBS. You know, like <laughs> they're up there. Um, oh yeah, I think they're more north than. BC, Boston College. Now we have to play the most Southern team in FIU. Um, Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I really think that uh, it's going to be closer than people expect, especially early on. Um, But I do see Salter thriving again. And I think Frith might have his breakout game. I really do. I've been waiting on it. 
Um, he had a play call back against New Mexico State that was really not what uh, an offensive, offensive passive interference by any means. Bad. And, you know, uh, he's a very talented receiver. He's a big body. He's not someone who's going to burn you, but he's still going to be a guy who's going to make some good routes. I could see him scoring one or two touchdowns in this game um, and utilizing his size. He's kind of my X factor in this week's game. He's the only wide receiver out of the top four or five guys, including tight ends, that hasn't broken out yet. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see more of the tight ends again this week. But, um, yeah, before we hop into more of my stuff, I wanted to mention what Jeremiah said. He believes that Salter will do well again, keeping us in the game. Running backs keep on track without blue. Back and forth, high-scoring game until the fourth quarter. Um, which is weird because his prediction doesn't really say that. But anyways, I'm not trying to spoil it. Uh, Jolly Green or Dupree with a big turnover is a big difference maker and a one-score victory for us. So I don't know what he meant by until the fourth quarter uh, high-scoring game. Maybe he means that it's going to be high-scoring until the fourth quarter and then it just slows down. Um, he And he thinks it's a trap game as well. Um, yeah, so... I don't know, man. We're going to let uh, Jake from Pause Up Podcast take over a lot of the FIU stuff in this later episode. So let's just hop into our predictions. Let's start with Kyle. Kyle says 34-17 Flames. Jeremiah says 38-34 Flames. James, what do you got? Yeah, um, I'm more along the lines of Kyle. Um, I don't think I don't think their offense is going to score 34 points. Um I think their offense might score 21. Um, but I kind of see another game like Buffalo where we we play them close early. Um, and then in the second half, we just kind of uh, – we just kind of walk away from them slowly but surely. Um, and I, I, I really see a 44-21 uh, to victory. Wow. Um, I'm going with 42-21. to so not okay. too far off. So yeah, we're about in the same area. Um, I could see it being twenty-eight to twenty-one, uh, third quarter. Um, I really could sometime in the third quarter. Um, I could really see us as close as that. I really do think that they got a ton of talent, and they're a they're going to be a better program than what people give them. Um, and if they keep people in the portal. Um, next year, they're going to really thrive and be a sneaky good team next year, especially with their quarterback, Keon Jenkins. Yeah, um, I agree there. Or Keon Jenkins. Um, I, 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 I know Jake mentions it. I, I, he's, he's the guy that knows the names for them. We know our names for uh, Liberty. Um, so, yeah, that's our prediction. Um, we're going to switch into – uh, the second half of this podcast with the pause up podcast with Jake Gibson. And we're going to wrap this up. Uh, James, do you have anything to say? I mean, I guess people come out to the, if you're local, come out to that JF Rustburg. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. If you're local, um, come out to that JF Rustburg game. And uh, we'd love to, ha- I, we'd love to have your support. It's going to be a really uh, close game, I believe. So uh, we'd love to have y'all out there. And that is our high school football segment.
Uh, shout out to Caleb Wynn for wanting to start up a podcast, but uh, never really actually going to any of the games except for one. But anyways, um, so shout out to our boy Caleb. We love him. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and as always, Flames. Flames. Go Flames and God bless. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Hello and welcome to this part of the episode previewing the upcoming game against FIU. Uh, we got a 6.30 Eastern time kick on CBS Sports. We got James here. How are we doing, da- James? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Uh, Liberty's coming off a win and so is my high school team. We're 4-0 coming into our uh, last week before a bye. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Kyle? Glad to have you back. How are you doing today? Good to be back. Flames are 3-0, and so I couldn't be much better. Yeah, I agree. And we got a guest on this week to cover the FIU part of this episode. Uh, from the Pause Up podcast, we got Jake Gibson. Jake Gibson, tell Hi, us a little Laura. bit about Thanks yourself. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's just a pleasure to be on. Um we have a lot of fun where back at the uh, Pause Up podcast covering FIU athletics, and uh, it's been a crazy start to the season. Having to play in week zero, we're three and one at the moment, so life's life is pretty good right now. And then, uh, typical Miami fashion, a thunderstorm just started right outside my window. So if, if you hear any of the thunder or lightning, yeah, that's just your typical Miami weather out of the blue. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you became an FIU fan and your connection to FIU. Yeah, so um, as soon as I uh, graduated high school back in 2018, I had applied for um, pretty much every college in the state of Florida. I, I, I live in uh, Homestead, Florida, which is just south of, 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 of Miami. It is still part of, the, of Miami-Dade County. And uh, I got accepted to most universities in Florida, but FIU was the one that it, it was the closest to home, provided a lot of financial aid, and I got and I got and I knew a lot of people that went there. So I went there as a student all four, all four years. Graduated uh, last year, um, back in May, and during my time at FIU, I uh, worked for the um, the student newspaper called Panther Now, and it was there that I got to um, cover pretty much every major sport for FIU, including football, soccer, baseball, and basketball, and. I moved up from a writer to a director, and as soon as I graduated, um, me and my co-host Kevin Baral, who uh, works for Lemon City Live, we work for Lemon City Live, which is a South Florida sports outlet that allowed me to cover the Florida Panthers hockey team, the Miami Dolphins football team, and even the uh, NASCAR races at Homestead Miami Speedway. We we covered FIU as well, and we thought, and we thought, man, there's not, there's pretty much no podcasts and. Uh, fan groups that are really covering FIU athletics. So we thought, let's give it a shot. And uh, the Pause Up podcast began last year in November, and it's steadily grown. We've had some amazing guests on the show. Uh, uh, last week, we even had the gosh darn president of the university, Dr. Kenneth Jessel, on the show. Mm. That was really cool. And um, we've we've sort of grown the brand. We've done uh, on-location videos where we talk to coaches and players. We've done... Of course, our preview and post-game segments for football, those have gone really well. And uh, as as FIU Athletics starts to grow, the brand, that we're kind of following suit. So uh, it's it was once a project, and now it's a uh, 
really big part of the FIU brand on social media. So uh, me and Kevin and our, our, our third host, Jonathan Mayer, we're very proud of how it's turned out. And we're, and, and again, we're happy to uh, have had you guys, the fan, the flames podcast reach out to us. So uh, we thought that was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. Uh, we'll probably be talking to each other quite a bit these next few years. Um, yeah. You know, uh, barring you know of course conference realignment again <laughs> hopefully not anytime soon we're just trying to get comfortable in conference usa right. uh, so uh playing our first game of course against new mexico state two weeks ago now we're looking ahead to our second conference game and you know fiu starting off pretty strong um they were projected to be one of the lower teams in the conference but i think you guys are proving some people wrong what, what's your thoughts on the first part of the season man fiu football has come a long way um from 2020 to 2021 fiu had a combined record of one in 16 right and in 2022 when they uh when the athletic director when we got a brand new AD that year and uh, not long after our brand new head coach and Mike McIntyre, uh, he, he had a tough job turning a football program that was down in the mud, poor fan attendance, and just not much hype in a South Florida area that loves high class, high quality events. Of course, Miami hurricanes are the premier program in South Florida, but FIU is a young program that's looking for its next big step. And Mike McIntyre pretty much had to replace the entire coaching staff, get a bunch of brand new players via the transfer portal and through the um, absolutely abundant talent of football in the high school level here in South Florida. And in his first season, he went four and eight, which might not sound great on paper, but considering everything he had to go through in a football program that was, again, in the mud, I'd say that I'd con- I would say that is a considerable success for a first year. And now with a three and one record, McIntyre's one win away from reaching his win total the previous year, and we still have eight games to go, including this one. So I'd say the season so far has been an absolute success. If it wasn't for an offensive just destruction in, that, in the uh, Week 0 game against Louisiana Tech, FIU could be 4-0 right now. So I, I'll say overall FIU football has been an absolute dream at right now and i say that because there haven't been that many seasons as of recently where it has gone great and it has not gone this great to begin a season in many many years yeah i agree um i'm i'm really excited uh about this uh upcoming matchup honestly i i'm excited about seeing how fiu has uh continued to grow as a program because that just helps out the conference as a whole. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people projecting um, this conference to be the worst. I um, would have to disagree in some areas. I don't know. We don't, you know, there's there might be some surprises with, uh, you know, Sam Houston and Jacksonville right. State have been both starting out pretty strong. They haven't had – a game where and Sam Houston definitely has in a game where they've gotten blown out because they might have the best defense of the conference. Uh, right. So seeing FIU um, again considered one of the lower teams in the FBS to see them come out so strong, you're like, okay, this is this is, I mean, and like you said, abundance of talent. You guys are in Miami. There's there's a place 
um, for recruiting there. And I think oh, that's going to get to carry. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and Mike McIntyre realized that. And this FIU program has just scoured every single high school in the South Florida area, especially Miami Central, which is one of the uh, probably one of the best football programs in the nation up there with IMG Academy, also South Florida school. And lo and behold, they might they may have found their quarterback for the future in Kiwan Jenkins. We'll talk a bit more about him. I'm assuming in a sec, but yeah, Mike McIntyre has made it has made it a mission to find every nook and cranny when it comes to uh, Miami high schools, and I think he's done a great job. This roster has is for the most part is very different from the FIU roster last year. Some of it because of the transfer portal, some of it because of injuries, but he's found some pieces that click. The offense has clicked. The defense has been sensational, and uh, all of a sudden we have a premier matchup here um, at home. Homecoming as well against the uh, the Liberty Flames. Yeah, I'm excited. Kyle, do you have a question for Mr. Jake here? Uh, I think just you know who who are some of the guys we should be we should be keeping an eye out for um, on Saturday. I mean, I don't know yeah, your roster so, as well as you do. Yeah, yeah. So Kiwan Jenkins, right? He is a true freshman out of the blue from Miami Central. Won pretty much every award you can get as a high school quarterback. He is. Despite his young age, he is mature, right? I've spoken to him many times after, after, uh, after a game in the post game press conferences. He always, I we always praise him because so far this season, his his combined stats in three games of work, fifty completions, eight hundred sixty seven yards, five touchdowns. It, that's been very solid. I believe it's even up there with uh, some of those stats are up there with Cade uh, Unsalter, who uh, of Liberty, who again is another fine quarterback that we've had the pleasure of seeing and um Kiwan has a strong arm he's an overall accurate passer and he's a solid scrambler as well now granted he is a freshman right and freshmen are prone to those silly mistakes here and there i think his pocket presence his pocket presence overall needs a bit of improvement but still Kiwan is fantastic in capitalizing on deep roll opportunities especially with man coverage uh, sometimes he can force the ball if there's just a bit too much pressure i think i find his offensive line is fine but they are prone to mistakes but Overall, Kiwan is a solid player that wanted to play here. He uh, and he's just and he has impressed every FIU fan, student alum, just his character wise and player wise. And Jenkins' favorite target, no doubt, is wide receiver Chris Mitchell. So far, three hundred and seventy receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's fifth most in FBS at the moment. Uh, without a doubt, he's his favorite target. And uh, it's funny because FIU was wondering who would become wide receiver one uh, this season because. They had lost their uh, primary target last year in Tyrese Chambers to the transfer portal. As a matter of fact, they also lost their primary tight end and running back in Rivaldo Fairweather and Lexington Joseph. So FIU's set of weapons this season are completely different than what was last year. But I think Chris Mitchell is uh, one of the more – he is a veteran player. He has great route running, fantastic speed, and some great hands. And, uh, yeah, he is Kiwan's favorite target for the deep ball and – I think he's sort of handling the wide receiver one position very, very well. Now, if you look more towards the defense, I think there is absolutely – because in my opinion, I think FIU's defense is even more impressive than their offense. And I think a lot of that comes from one player. It's linebacker Donovan Manuel. The stats speak for themselves. 48 tackles in four games of work. That is second most in all of FBS. He has also forced three fumbles. 
and has limited the running game of pretty much every team he's faced so far, especially who FIU just played in UConn. So there have been a few games this season where FIU's offense um, had sort of shut themselves down in the second half, just could not get the ball moving. So it was up to the defense of FIU. And when you have players like Donovan Manuel, oof, FIU has probably one of the best defenses there in Conference USA, in my opinion. So on offense, definitely look towards Kiwan and Chris Mitchell. That sort of connection reminds me a lot of Tua to Tyreek Chambers. I am a Miami Dolphins fan, or excuse me, Tua to Tyreek Hill. And um, <laughs> on defense, Donovan Manuel. He's a big man. He's a scary man. He's a cool dude, too. But he is a uh, bona fide stud, in my opinion. Nice, nice. Um so from your perspective, who are some guys that you're like worried about on Liberty's team? Oh man, it's it's hard to look at the tape and not see what Caden Salter has done as the quarterback for Liberty. He looks like Sunday material, right? Um, aside from that, Quentin Cooley has looked like a very talented running back as well, but he's gonna have his hands full against FIU's defensive line and secondary trying to move the ball. I mean, like I said, Donovan Manuel is great with tackles, but so is linebacker Reggie Peterson and defensive back to Eric Daniel. You can look all over FIU's defense and they're trouble, no matter what team they play in, in Conference USA. But, uh, yeah, that the, the offensive trio of Caden Salter, Quentin Cooley, and C.J. Daniels, that's worrying. And uh, I, I, I uh, had to witness it as uh, getting ready to watch the FIU and UConn game, sort of having to sit there on CBS Sports Network and see them drop 50 something points on poor old Buffalo. So uh, yeah, man, Liberty's offense is scary. It's definitely, this game is going to come down to can Liberty's offense withstand FIU's defense. I don't think it's really going to be that impactful the other way around FIU's offense versus Liberty's defense. I think the big storyline is going to be Caden Salter versus Donovan Manuel. Cool. Cool. Well, I got to ask, so you, you didn't talk much about our defense, but what about our defense in like, in our, in our takeaways, our turnover numbers, because like that's that, like we lead the nation in that right now. Yes, you do. And uh, thankfully, FIU had one of their better games as far as not giving up the ball against UConn. Kiwan Jenkins has been great, right? But in three games of work, he has thrown three inter- interceptions, two against North Texas, one against the University of Maine, an FCS school. And um, yeah, he's pro. He I do think he's prone to to throwing the ball away. And granted, he is a a true freshman. So you kind of sort of expect that. And uh, yeah, Liberty, Liberty is a stacked team roster wise. And they're a stacked team stat wise. You look at the overall statistics and yeah, it's hard not to be scared of this Liberty flames team on defense. They look great on offense. They look just as great. And uh, it seems all the more crazy that FIU lined up this team for their home, for their homecoming game. Usually when, when you line up a homecoming game, you'll do it against like a sort of scrub or a cupcake. Right. But no, Liberty, I mean, it it makes sense why they're like the favored team to win the conference up there with like, I believe Western Kentucky. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Liberty's defense frightens me. Their offense frightens me just as much, but unlike the previous years, especially in 2020, when uh, Liberty kind of sort of curb stopped FIU at the end there, uh, this team has talent. FIU's depth on both sides of the ball is great, and uh, they've proven that with some with some quality wins. Granted, some scary wins here and there, but uh, I think it's going to be a great game. What can I say? I mean, uh, especially for homecoming, we'll be there. I, I know the FIU Alumni Association is in a serious job trying to get butts in, butts in the seats, and uh, should be a good time. And I, I'm assuming the uh, the Liberty fans travel very well. I've seen the social media presence on Twitter, and boy. 
Y'all come in full force. Yeah, that's uh, how we met all three, four of us, yep. uh, including Jeremiah. Um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. We actually sit by each other. Um, we have season tickets together, so it's it's fun. It's a good time. Right. But, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the weather uh, <laughs> that's going on right now. Uh, what's yeah. it looking like for Saturday? Saturday at this very moment, it actually looks like it's going to be Sunday or sunny in like the uh, high 70s, low 80s. But granted, South Florida weather is funny, right? It can be beautiful, sunny, not a cloud in the sky in one hour. And then the next hour, it's going to be a torrential downpour. So uh, regardless of what team is playing in uh, Miami, regardless if it's the, if it's the Hurricanes, FIU, Miami, even the professional team, the Miami Dolphins, uh, you have to be prepared regardless of weather. You have to have your offense ready to go, maybe an air raid style offense if it's sunny and beautiful. But uh, come the moment that uh, water starts to hit that uh, field turf, you have to rely on your running game because it's going to get sloppy. It's going to get messy. And uh, assuming, hopefully, there's just not going to be any lightning in the area because, uh, because of course, it'll rain here all the time. And that's fine for football. If there's lightning in the area. The uh, refs will not hesitate to uh, delay this game, which I don't think any of us really want to see. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to say uh, what the weather is really going to be like on Saturday. The forecast models say it's going to be sunny, uh, low to mid eighties, which I mean is like your average kind of football weather uh, this time of the year in South Florida when we're not getting hit by a hurricane or a tropical storm. But yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, weather wise, I can't really say much right now. We're just going to wait until the day of. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what we say a lot here because we uh we call we call Lynchburg Drenchburg because give give it fifteen minutes it could be raining. So we understand. We, yeah, you'd we, be we surprised. Uh, we get quite a bit of rain here uh, for uh, being. I don't know if it's the mountains or what, but uh, yeah, it's it. We have a pretty high uh, collection of rain rainfall every year. I do not um, doubt that, but thankfully, the only thing we really don't have to worry about here is snow. So, uh, snow games—I yep. can't really tell you much about them. We don't get them that often. We don't. We just don't get them here. Thank goodness. Yeah. In my in my humble South Florida opinion. Yeah, I grew up uh, playing in uh, snow football games up in Buffalo, so I know all about it. Um, Start snowing in October, but thankfully, we got that Buffalo road game out of the way in uh, September when it's actually okay up there (laughs) um yeah so i guess uh my next question before we continue to hop into this game uh kind of what do you see out of the fiu program um for the near future and the upcoming future what where what is your what is the expectations for uh coach mcintyre yes sir so i think the expectations now is uh getting to a bowl game right Compete. Be one of the best teams in Conference USA. If you're good enough to, to play in the Conference USA championship game, then all the power to you. But at the very least, keep winning games, at least win enough to get into a bowl game. And down the line, FIU does have a solid amount of, of, of freshmen and sophomores on their team. Uh, the best case being the quarterback, Kewan Jenkins. And if he continues playing the way that he has, he, he will undoubtedly be our quarterback for the future here at FIU, which is exciting for us. And aside from that, Mike McIntyre has definitely built a, uh, a we, not me 
team focused more than player specific focused, give it your all kind of program here. And it's something that, uh, unfortunately, on the latter years of, of the Butch Davis era here at FIU, we just didn't really see. Um, we had some great memories for FIU in the last few years. We won the Bahamas Bowl a few years ago. Of course, beating the University of Miami back in 2019 was probably the most fun was was the most fun experience I've had as a, a student at FIU. That was a fun time. But I think the uh, the expectations here are um, to be consistently one of the best teams in Conference USA for years to come. That is absolutely the goal. Granted, I, I think I think that should be the goal of every team, and in, in, in regardless of conference, regardless of who they are, to be one of the best teams there is. But I, I do think that if our defense can stay consistent, if our offense does not give up in the second half, unfortunately they, they've done that a few times, most notably against Louisiana Tech and Maine and more recently uh, UConn. But if they can get all those kinks worked out, and of course this game on Sunday is going to be a massive test to see how far FIU has come, then FIU could potentially have a 4-1 and one record just in time for the rest of the conference uh, schedule and of course and some random game against Arkansas in November which is a bit strange but I don't make the uh, schedule so we'll see how that goes by the time uh, that game rolls around but you know as as a fan and as an alumni I'm dying to see some consistent success of this FIU program because the most I really saw as a student were a couple of big time wins but come bowl season FIU just could not get enough wins together to become bowl eligible and then we saw the firing of our previous head coach that kind of went down in flames. Not Liberty Flames, just like actual, like, was not a good look for the program. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, give me any type of consistent success for the upcoming years of FIU athletics, and I'll be a very happy uh, alumni, a very happy Panther. Yeah. I have one more question as well. Um, something that um, – we pride ourselves in here, especially this year, is our students. Uh, they've really shown out this year at our home games. How would you say y'all students show up to y'all's games? Well, it's been a long time coming for getting students interested uh, to attend these games at the FIU football stadium. Because, you know, FIU is kind of like – has the same problem that every other program of, of college or professional sports team in South Florida does. There's a billion things going on in South Florida at once, right? So you have to have a good reason to get fans to go to your event. And in FIU's case, there's only one thing they can do, and that's to win. That's to give the, the fans a reason to go to these games. But granted, they've taken some other approaches as well. They finally recently brought back tailgating a couple, uh, a couple of years ago so that alumni and, and students who don't live on campus can find a way to go to these games and enjoy themselves. And on top of that, they've introduced a brand new thing called the uh, the, the tail the student tailgating zone in Tamiami Hall, which is a brand new red, uh, dorm built right next to the football stadium. They have a sort of student tailgating section. All the Greek all the Greek life is involved. All the student programs are involved. They get there, they play music, they they drink a lot, and and they just have a good time in preparation for these football games. So far this season, granted it's been two home games, uh, the student section has come out in full force. I think um, for the students who live on campus, which granted aren't that many, because FIU is a public somewhat commuter school that has a couple of campuses scattered around the South Florida area. Um, but I think the student section has given a solid amount of support. Now it's up to 
Now it's up to uh, the AD, Scott Carr, and the president, Kenneth Jessel, and figuring out how to get the alumni back into these home games for FIU. Jessel himself spoke about that in our episode with him a couple of, of uh, a few days ago, that there are, like, I believe, over 300,000 FIU alumni still in the Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County areas. How the hell do they get them to come back and support the FIU Panthers? That's been their big mission, something they're trying to figure out. I think they have made good strides in allowing and bringing back tailgating, bringing back a fun atmosphere, plenty of giveaways, and some fun stuff here and there. But ultimately, there's only going to be one way to get all students, all fans, and all alumni to fill that stadium to capacity, and that's to build a winning program. Yeah, um, that's awesome. That's exciting for you guys. Uh, so what are your take? Well, not takeaways, but keys to this week's matchup. I know you mentioned the offense versus the defense, right? but uh, what are your three keys? Okay, my three keys uh, from an FIU standpoint. I think FIU's three keys are don't produce silly turnovers, whether it's um, uh, uh, running back Shamari Lawrence and Kewan Owens holding on to the ball, not giving up the silly fumbles, or Jenkins himself not airmailing some long-distance passes because he does like to target Chris Mitchell quite a bit um, in those 40- to 50- to 60-yard ginormous passes that usually result in in touchdowns if you if you don't give liberty defense that much of an ability to just turn the tide of the of the battle by getting those takeaways then fiu is going to score some points the second takeaway i would say defensively is to just keep doing what fiu is doing when it comes to their rush defense the way they've been the way they've been able to blank running games from from Louisiana Tech, for example, they have Smoke Harris. He's a fantastic receiver, running back type of player, and he was limited by FIU. And so was UConn and North Texas. Uh, if FIU's defense is able to do that, then Liberty's going to have to rely on their passing game. And FIU's defense has more consistently gotten a lot of interceptions from their secondary as late. They got two against um, North Texas and then one against UConn. So... Definitely the defense create create turnovers because of uh, the defensive line and secondary's ability to just stop the Liberty running game. And the third key I would give to FIU, and this is probably the biggest one, because it's something that unfortunately reared its ugly head against UConn that we saw even earlier in week uh, against Louisiana Tech and Maine, is to keep scoring in the second half. Uh, granted, that Louisiana Tech game was weird, right? Grayson James, our pre our prior quarterback, only threw for four passing yards total in a, in a whole game. That was strange. Wow. And uh, it was it was because of that that they decided to move on to Kiwan Jenkins, which I think has been a very obviously a very solid opinion because FIU has been winning. Kiwan is undefeated, but against Maine, for example, and against UConn, FIU did not score in the second half. And, and of course, part of that is because the defense for the opposing team makes adjustments, but the play calling for FIU's offense becomes dry. Those draw plays on first and 10 can only get you so far when the defense adapts. So I'd like to see some more exciting play calling that actually works from our offensive coordinator, David Yost. And uh, I, I just want FIU to not take their foot off the gas pedal because 
we thought they had fixed that in that n- crazy North Texas game. There, there were almost double-digit lead changes. It came down to the wire, but to FIU's credit, they kept scoring the entire game. So I would say that's probably the biggest uh, key factor for FIU in this Liberty game to just keep scoring offensively. Nice, nice. Now, here's this part of the show when we ask you, what is your score prediction? I know you're going to pick FIU, though, so don't feel bad. Man, I'm just going to say this. I think we're in for a classic here. I think we are in here for one of the best Conference USA games of the whole season. You have the hot FIU Panthers going up against what looks like to be the one of the dominant powerhouses Conference USA, and we had already and we had already suspected that because, if I'm not mistaken, last couple of years Liberty has found themselves in the top 25 at times. So uh, there's been some consistent success of Liberty. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be close all the way up until halftime. I'd say it would start. The game's going to start low scoring, heading into halftime, and then come the second half. There's going to be a lot of points thrown here and there. If I had to give you a score prediction, I would say, and it's it's not it's it's not because I'm biased as an FIU fan. I just think that <laughs> FIU this is going to be a trap game for Liberty, and I agree. yeah, Liberty is a, oh, yeah. is going to be a tough opponent. This is going to be a trap game for them. I'll say FIU twenty eight, Liberty. 26. Ooh. And oh, by the way, this could be a game that I would not be surprised if it goes into overtime. This could be one of those games that is going to need to be decided by some extra time, which I'd be happy. I'd be excited for it because I think no matter what, we're going to see a really competitive game here. There could be the second uh, possibility that FIU gets blown out, which also I would not be surprised if that happened. (laughs) If, if their offense doesn't click and their defense gives up plays, yeah, FIU is going to be blown out material here against Liberty. But I, I'm going to stay positive as an FIU fan and as someone who, who covers the team that I've liked for what I've seen from FIU, and they're going to shock the, the world against the Liberty Flames, which, granted, is a damn good football program. And if FIU has to play Liberty again in the Conference USA Championship, so be it. I'd be I'd be down for that. But uh, yeah, give me uh, give me that score, twenty eight to twenty six. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think uh, this game reminds me a lot of last year's home open. I mean, away opener, excuse me, against Southern Miss. Uh, yes, sir. You know, we uh, had to go to overtime for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it reminds me a lot of that game and a uh, game that we almost lost. So, um, I, I think you guys are very comparable. Um, I don't know if you have a Frank Gore jr. On your team, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's many programs that can say that in the G five level. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited about this game. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. Man, Jake, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, uh, if your fans want to uh, listen to the first half of this podcast, they'll get to hear a little bit about uh, this past week's game, plus, uh, you know, some different things going on. So make sure you let the fans know about that, too. Um, this is going to be all one big pod. It's uh, We're going to have you in the back half, so you're going to be the main event, I guess you could say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before you go uh, – 
where can we find you? Shout yourself out. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and your podcast. Yes, sir. So the Pause Up podcast can be found on Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it, on Instagram, <laughs> on Facebook, and on YouTube. Uh, our YouTube channel specifically has all of our previous podcast episodes along with all of our previews, halftime reports, post-game reports, and interviews with players and coaches. Uh, our Twitter account is the most active one where we'll post daily stuff and, and, and announce um, our upcoming episodes. But yeah, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at Pause Up Page or Pause Up Podcast. We also have our we also have our own website called the Pause Up Page, where uh, me, Kevin, and the team uh, write up some articles. So if you want to figure out what's going on in FIF athletics in in written text, you can do that with our website called the Pause Up Page. But yeah, at Pause Up Podcast and pretty much every social media platform, and should be should be a fun time. Hopefully. Uh, Get a chance to talk to you guys again. Maybe come Conference USA Championship time. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed for that. But no, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, uh, I know it's Fan the Flames for you guys. But for us, it is Pause Up. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much.